Bevan presents Throughline Thursdays with Neha Malhotra. Hi all, welcome to Throughline Thursdays. Thank you so much for joining. Hope you're having a great week so far. Today's Throughline is very unique because I will be talking to my colleague and good friend Chris Swinton. Chris manages programs on the MSP side and is a key player at Bay One. He's had quite a journey and he will share that with us today. Welcome to Throughline, Chris. Hey, how are you, Niha? I'm doing good. How are you? Good, good. Just trying to stay cool out here in Phoenix, but uh, it's good to see you. Good to see you. I can't see you, actually. Your video is still off. I can hear uh, you, but I Video is still off. Let's see. The leftmost button. There we go. Okay, perfect. Hi, Chris. Hey, hey how are you? I am doing good. How are you? Good, good. Good to see you. Good to see you. I'm so excited to be talking to you. Thank you for doing this. No, absolutely. It's good to talk to you as well, Niha. I'm very excited about this and, uh, you know, it'd be a good discussion to have uh, with everything going on in current climate. So it's very yeah. important. How are things in Arizona? Uh, it's very hot right now. I think it's 100 degrees right now. The high should be about 108. Oh um, unfortunately, the coronavirus numbers are up. Uh, there's about a overall, it's about 181,000 um, overall cases so far since it started. But um, it's been about 4,000 deaths, I believe, close to 4,000. So uh, the numbers are still, I think it's kind of stagnant and off a little bit, but um, restaurants are still open, but yeah. um, a lot of things are still closed. And so it's kind of frustrating, but um, we're trying to. All of us are trying to get through this, so it's been very tough for everyone. But yeah, crazy we're, we're, times. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's yeah, been a crazy yeah. 2020. Yeah, <laughs> hope to see you soon in California, though, Chris. It's better out here in terms of weather, at least. <laughs> I know. I got to make sure I make it through this year, so I'm trying to make sure I make it and don't get sick. And and uh, it's been a weird 2020. So yeah, <laughs> fingers crossed. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So. Tell us about your career journey and life journey, Chris. Absolutely. So I started my uh, career as far as working. Um, I started my first job. Um, I, I was living in Miami in 1992. So I worked at Publix supermarket and I was a bag boy um, wearing little pink shirts and uh, the turquoise pants. Uh, it was a great job. I learned a lot. I was making good money. Um, I was probably making about $100 to $25, 100, uh, 150 a week. So I was doing very well. Um, and that taught me a lot about just being a good employee, you know, just uh, being in on time, uh, just doing my job, you know, horse plan. And it was very hard to do that when you're, a, you know, bag boy and pushing carts and just, you know, yeah. out there with your buddies. But um, started my first job doing that. Uh, and then I went on, um, as time went on, um, we were in Hurricane Andrew in 92. So I moved from there to Detroit, Michigan. At that point, uh, my mother worked for the Sodexo Corporation and she was allowed to bring me on and help on the catering side. She was doing catering for um, Sodexo. They do a lot of work for universities. And at the time she was the managing the restaurants and the kitchen and the catering at Marygrove College in Detroit. So, uh, you know, I worked for my mother for a little bit and as you can imagine, that was a little bit regimented too. Um, you know, it's kind of like you live with her and you gotta go to work too. So it was fun, but it was a way for me to, you know, she was teaching me a lot and, and my father at the time, they were both teaching me a lot about just responsibility and saving money. Um, 
once um, that job was done, as time went on through high school, I worked at you know Taco Bell, the Mesa Hilton. But when my career really started, I guess as far as being more of a salesperson or just kind of learning a little bit more about the professional development side of things, uh, I started selling cars when I was in high school. I graduated high school a little bit early, um, so from January on to the time that I walked um, in May, I was selling Pontiacs. Um, so I don't know if you remember Bonnevilles, you might be a little bit too young for that. Yeah, but I, <laughs> You're I kidding. Bonnevilles. Yeah, yeah, I was selling Bonnevilles and, uh, you know, the Sunfires and all that good stuff in the Montanas. But uh, it was a pretty good job for me. And it taught me a lot about rejection and not to take things personal. But, you know, you're, you're changing people's lives by their finances and stuff like that. So that was a great experience. And um, so I sold cars for a little bit. And um, after that, you know, I started going to school um, with ASU and, you know, eventually graduated. And um, during that time I was at ASU, I, I really started my professional career um, at Charles Schwab. Um, I worked at Safeway before that uh, and worked at Wells Fargo, but really being in that corporate environment was at Charles Schwab where I kind of got a taste of it and imposterism, the imposter syndrome. Um, you know, that was a great organization. Worked, worked there for about four years, um, got laid off about 2008 during the crash, um, but the big the big fall um, with that Charles Schwab, they gave, they're, they're really good at paying out huge severances. So I got a huge severance and uh, I started my own uh, business. It was uh, Swinton Companies LLC and I started a barbershop in Scottsdale and an alteration shop. At the same time, I was uh, head of security at the W Hotel um, in Scottsdale where I was kind of, um, you know, running the bars, uh, bar security but it was also a way of me networking. So it was networking and I was sending people to my bars and the W Hotel, the controller allowed me to set up the way of um, hotel guests allowed to charge to the room. So I was able to dial that in. And um, it was a really good way from it networking. Um, had that for about two years. After the two years decided um, I got tired of firing and hiring people and I, it was a big headache and I got tired of being broke, you know, being an entrepreneur. So um, got rid of that and started to do staffing. I started doing recruiting. Uh, my best friend's brother recruited me to a firm. Um, it's called Oxford International, but they're um, in Florida. Uh, long story short, um, he said, I have a great personality. You, you're, you're a real guy. You seem, you know, you, you have a great smile and you probably do well doing recruiting. And um, so I did that for a while. Um, the first recruiting job was the most horrific job I ever I thought I could ever come across <laughs> because it was so regimented. Um, you go in at seven o'clock in the morning, you get on the phones, you leave at five, they monitor your phone time. Mm -hmm. um, you have to have three hours of phone time and they listen to how you talk to potential uh, consultants and they, they coach you. But it was, you know, I learned a lot from that firm. Um, went on to work at a little smaller boutique firm uh, located here and, and it's a women owned firm, uh, Tech Finders in Scottsdale. and eventually went on to work for a little bit bigger, bigger staffing firms, uh, such as uh, K-Force. Uh, I worked at, uh, you know, Kelly Services and Bolt. And then worked for uh, one of my, worked for another couple, couple, couple of companies, uh, CPI professionals, learned a little bit about ISO type of, you know, recruiting firms. And so I learned a lot over the time, but my final resting place would be here at Bay One. Yeah. Um, so hopefully I will retire here and, uh, I'm going to do my thing. Yeah, so. <laughs>
That's incredible. I have like yeah. so many things common with you. I was a right. bagger too. Okay. I started my career as a bagger, grocery okay. bagger at the age of 14. We sure. landed from Delhi to Pleasanton and my grandfather okay. dropped me off at a parking lot and said, find a job. Right, so, right. Yeah, yeah, I thought he was yeah. so cruel to do that. But in hindsight, yeah. you know, kind of taught me the value of hard work and money and just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. that there is no free lunch. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think yeah. the best part, the best part about having a job back then when you're younger is I couldn't wait to go to work because if I was yeah. grounded, I was like, all right, I want to go to work now. <laughs> right, pick up that shift, you know. <laughs> yeah, and you make so, money and like you want a pair of jeans, you know, go right. earn it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Which is, which is great. So, yeah. Right, well, right. you mentioned but, imposterism, Chris. You said that, you know, when we talked earlier that you have this eternal um, imposter syndrome and right. imposter syndrome is where we feel we haven't earned our accomplishments. It's an unwarranted sense of insecurity um, sure. where we are sometimes overcome with feelings of fraudulence and self-doubt. Mm -hmm. Can you talk about that? Sure. So, you know, over my career, there's been places where I've been to where I might've been like the only uh, black male, African-American male within uh, my peers, and sometimes maybe the only minority. Um, that was kind of frustrating because uh, there's been times where I brought my ideas to the table and it was either not really laughed at, but it was like, ah, that's really not a good idea. That's not the direction we wanted to go. But then you'll see other companies what's inside our market do the same thing. And we were kind of late to the, kind of late to the party. So um, that was just kind of frustrating because it kind of made me feel like, okay, well, am I really supposed to be here? Like, is this the type of environment I want to work in where uh, I'm not going to actually bring value or, and, um, you know, back in the day, you know, I used to always think, oh, wow, I, you know, if you're like the only black person somewhere, you're like, oh, well, I made it. And that was such an immature way of thinking, you know, but where I come from living in Detroit or someplace like that, we always kind of used to laugh about that as younger kids, you know, because we always kind of want to get out that type of neighborhood where we saw crime and, and stuff like that. So we always had this picture image of being like at a desk, you know, living like life and getting a nice paycheck. But looking back when I was saying those things, I was thinking about how things are so wonderful. But then when you're actually having some ideas that you can bring to the table and you want to, you know, want to bring things to the table and want to make the organization better, it just really, it just wouldn't really go over well. Um, uh, and a lot of times that, you know, I would definitely articulate it and I would tell them like, this is why and I'll have things to support why I'm saying that. And I think it was just my whole street mentality. And um, I was just always a forward thinker. And I think it was a lot of my entrepreneurial type of mind. I, I didn't think of it as I'm just an employee. I think of it as like I was a business owner. So what would the business owner want from me? Um, what do you want me to sit here and collect a check or come up with some ideas? So um, that was where the whole imposter syndrome, you know, started to come in. So I took a back seat. I really didn't start to say much in different meetings. And um, I guess people call it the wallflower when you're out at the clubs. I was just kind of like, oh, you know, I kind of just stay in my stay in my space and just keep my mouth shut. So um, and it was kind of sad, you know, because it kind of affected me financially. And I think yeah. um, I've been passed up on opportunities because of that. So. Yeah, it has financial implications. It does. It does. Um, 
Yeah. I mean, I have to say, Chris, that even though you were going through so much on the inside, mm -hmm. uh, when you came on board at Bay One and I met you, I was like, oh, wow, he is so warm and nice and not judgmental. So you yeah. always shoot out these cues of belonging and, um, you know, you you hid what was going inside pretty well and you, you know, you, you put people at ease. So thank you for that. Now, yeah. how are you doing? Is this still a constant struggle uh, for you? Um, you know, the imposterism? Um, where are you with it right now? Um, you know, I think once I got my master's degree, I just learned how just different management styles and just when you go into an organization, how to be able to like um, execute and express your ideas better. Because, um, you know, sometimes, you know, you go into a, an organization and you might have a little bit more abrasive type of management style that you're working with. And, and you just a lot of times I had to learn it's not about me and there could be certain things yeah. that are going on. And. Um, so it all depends on the situation. And one of my old bosses, her name was Laura Sorrell. She taught me that um, you have to really evaluate an organization when you're coming into it. And I think that was one of the things that I loved about Bay One is, um, I don't know if you remember when I was there for my interview, but I did a three hour whiteboard interview with uh, Raul Yogesh and Anuj. And um, we were all on the same page. So, um, it was kind of aligned exactly what I was looking for. They wanted ideas. They wanted ideas on diversity. They wanted ideas on different things. And it, it was, it felt like it was, it was so natural. It felt so good. Um, and I was, uh, it was exciting, you know, thing. So I don't really have that issue now. Um, I haven't had it for like, again, the past couple of years since I graduated uh, and got my, um, went to grad school. Um, but it, it took a while to really, you know, get back to kind of uh, being able to express my ideas. And if my ideas and values are not really uh, taken well, I'll just, you know, there's always other places that are willing to look at um, what I can bring to the table and stuff. So, yeah. 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 Now you mentioned that um, when we were talking before um, mm -hmm. that you always ask yourself, am I supposed to be here? Did this company just hire me on my, or did this company company hire me on my merit or they were just checking a box why do you feel this way um can you maybe talk more about that sure so you know you always hear this joke the running joke you know um you know you're a token black person in office or um i, I heard that a couple of times you know and you know you want to hit the quote or it's all about the optics of things you know mm -hmm. and um with the recent events that's happened lately uh, you see a lot of companies are being uh, reactive, I guess, versus proactive. Yeah. And that's kind of, uh, I don't want to ever be in that like situation where I feel like I'm just being hired to hit a quota, you know, or just kind of, because what the current climate is, you need to be a little bit more about diversity now after the fact. So, um, you know, some of the things with Bay One, you know, is year like over a year and a half ago when we were in conversations is that they wanted, you know, Diversity was a big topic. So um, I think that was like an important piece of like me coming to join Bay One and, and Bay One wanting to bring me in. Um, but the whole thing about, you know, for example, I'm taking a senior HR certification here soon. And one of the things is in HR, it's you're so used to seeing um, and, and it's nothing wrong with it. I think it's maybe the number of African-American males in HR it has this senior certification, but what you see is there's a, the, the number of HR professionals and the demographics, it's usually Caucasian female between 22 and 55. You don't really see a lot of 
chief human resources officers that are black males. So I, I kind of looked at the data and looked at the numbers of that. So if I ever get to a position where I'm going to uh, have the opportunity to, to take one of those positions, I'm going to ask myself, um, should I be here? And that's kind of like where that imposter syndrome is going to come in. At. Are they doing it because of like what's happening right now with, you know, everything with the George Floyd and the Black Lives Matter movement? Yeah. Um, or are they actually bringing me on because I'm actually educated and I deserve to be here? So, yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's one of the things I got to kind of look out for moving forward, or I can always just stay at day one for the rest of my life. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's, uh, and, um, you know, to your point, uh, the last guest that I interviewed, Madhavi, you know, it was uh -huh. the same sentiment, like a lot of companies have frat-like cultures, cultural fit is like passing a friendship test, it gives you a license to hire people, you just want to hang right. out with and grab a beer, and pass right. over people that are really qualified and were ideally suited for the job, so I think right. the focus has to shift from cultural fit to more of a values fit, and align right. the company goals, not with like the interviewer's background. Um, right. So it's, a, right. It's, a, it's a great point you bring up. Now, how, in your opinion, can companies hire diverse talent? Uh, we have a serious tech diversity issue here in tech. Um, what are your views and thoughts on how to make the needle move? Uh, so, you know, I, 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 you know, I'm like, I'm like the happy-go-lucky guy. So like a lot of times I like to believe people are just not like prejudiced or racist, you know, I like to try to give everyone an opportunity. Most of the time I like to believe people are feel comfortable with hiring people they feel more comfortable with. Mm -hmm. So um, what a lot of companies can do is just be a little bit more proactive about being around more diverse groups and how to do that. There's just many different ways, but a quick way of like solving this, uh, if you want to try to diversify your talent um, or just, what you can do is just reach out to some of the local like churches. Um, one of the things that I have a good you know friendship and I have good I have plenty of friends that actually went to historical black universities. Um, I noticed that a lot of staffing firms and, and, and different companies they go and do job fairs within yeah. you know at Arizona State University, University of Arizona, but they don't take the time out. And obviously here in Arizona, there's not a historical black university, but there are some throughout the country that these students and interns and alumni, they live throughout the United States and they yeah. still have a job board and they still have job postings where you can reach out to those communities. And you can also reach out to certain black um, or minority, not just black, but minority, Asian, Hispanic, uh, different uh, fraternities and sororities, because a lot of these sororities and, and fraternities, they have partnerships. I think Enterprise has a partnership with a lot of fraternities where they will only hire, a lot of times they only hire some of these interns and they will hire these people after they graduate. Yeah. And they built such a good relationship with uh, these fraternities and organizations. And I know some companies love to see enterprises on resumes for that reason, you know, so. Yeah. Uh, and since yeah. you have such a fun personality, Chris, you should hold a sourcing party to source and attract talent from underrepresented groups here. Let's do it. You know, I, I think that's <laughs> like probably the best idea I heard since 2020. I think it's a great idea. Let's do it. Yeah. 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 And also, like, I feel during COVID, we can um, cast a wider net in terms mm -hmm. of locations and we're not restricted to finding talent just here in the Silicon Valley. So Absolutely. the level of, or this levels the playing field 
and invites a lot of folks in the mix that would otherwise sure. say no to a job because sure. you know of the location so yeah it'll sure. be very interesting to see how it all shakes out and hopefully in favor of hiring more diversity absolutely um, what can companies do to create a more inclusive work culture and how, in your opinion, that sense of belonging can be created? Um, you know, so I would say, you know, I see companies that hire like a, a senior HR business partner, and that's a lot of what their job's supposed to be. Mm-hmm. But still, a lot of times, companies and people don't still trust that person. You still got to have your your ear to the ground. So I think if you're in a large organization, you still got to have like a person that's tapped into your team, whether it's like a, uh, for example, like a team lead to kind of come together with a different team to meet with HR to kind of get a feel and just kind of check the climate of what's going on and do certain outings and just always just, um, you know, stay. Um, The survey thing doesn't really work that much. We know that companies just do it as which kind of like what you have to do, but you really have to actually meet like a weekly or uh, a bi-weekly type of thing to make sure everyone's on the same page and um, no one's, you know, upset and like not having issues. And if that person's upset and having issues, then you can take it to the next level and, and figure things out. But I think in order to be a little bit more inclusive, you actually have to be, you got to know what's going on. And I think everyone see what Ellen is going through right now um, you know, she's like the happy-go-lucky person for her show, yeah. but then everyone else behind the scenes are like, you know, it's her show's probably not going to come back. Who knows? But her yeah. producer, her editor, producer get fired, and um, that's a prime example of just not being able to check the climate and have decisions to do that. So, yeah, yeah, you're so right. Yeah. And then. Yeah. You know, you kind of have to envision yourself working at a company before you apply. So um, careers pages and inclusive images are important. And, you know, also for me personally, contributing to social good is so important. So what causes does the company support? And you kind of have to align with that. So, yeah, yeah. And like employee research groups, setting up those, as you mentioned, you know, to make sure everybody's happy and heard and voices are being respected. Um, You know, you know, nowadays, you know, with, uh, you know, it's different company policies where, you know, going out, doing outings and drinking and stuff and doing bowling things are kind of like frowned upon. But I mean, we're all adults. Um, We can still do that. And, you know, in moderation and still kind of built that team camaraderie. I mean, we do it all the time with Bay One. So um, we all respect each other and this, uh, we have a great team. Uh, and it's just about, there's not a, there's no turnover at all where we work. It's yeah. all about retention and then, uh, you know, trusting your people. So. That's very true. Uh, we have very low turnover here um, at Bay One. So it brings me to my next question. How has your experience been at Bay One? How has it been like for you? Uh, it's been uh, phenomenal. You know, I have to admit that um, I like to give thanks to, uh, you know, obviously Samantha Beard and Anuj and um, without them too, um, I would never be because they reached out to me first, Samantha. I think she's on maternity leave right now, but, um, you know, without her and Anuj reaching out to me originally and um, obviously uh, Yogesh and, and, and Raul uh, Sharma, the two owners and um, everything's been wonderful. Um, I my 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 direct report right now, Abhishek Reina, he's uh, probably the most uh, he's the best boss I can ever ask for. Um, we hit it off well. We 
we, 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 we do pretty good together. Um, we understand each other. Um, but, you know, obviously working with Unity House has been phenomenal. Everyone's been super great there. Uh, Bay One has given me all the tools that I need to succeed. And they've been uh, a phone call away, you know. So um, I think I called Raul at like 12 o'clock or 11 o'clock the other night. So, uh, but it was about, you know, something real quick. And he's always there. And uh, yeah. I call Abhishek at 12. And I work with a great team. Uh, I work with Mamita, uh, AJ, uh, RB. Raul Bart Bandardi, uh, Raju, um, and you know, I obviously work with you as well, Niha, and um, everyone's on the team is great, and I miss everyone there. You know, obviously I work remotely here in Phoenix, and everyone's there in California, but um, it's a great organization to work for, and uh, I couldn't be any happier. So I appreciate everything that they do for me. Yes. That's such a cool endorsement. Thank you, Chris. Yeah. That's amazing. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I want to ask you the through line question. Um, what's the through line in your career? What has remained the same while everything else has um, or has changed around you? Sure. I would say that uh, my passion has stayed the same. Um, how I channel that energy has probably changed. Uh, you know, like uh, so my palette, yeah, my passion pretty much stayed the same, but how I channel that energy you know, and being able to make a difference has probably changed. Um, my methods wasn't always uh, probably the best method, you know, because uh, I didn't know how and, and where to go. But now just being able to gain a bit more knowledge as time goes on, I see the proper things to do and, and who to talk to and, and what to do. And um, just being a little bit more, I guess, uh, sharper tool in the box to uh, be able to, to talk to the right people and, and make a difference. Uh, right here at Bay One, um, for example, I'm, I'm in a position to make a difference. I have made a difference. Um, and they give me the tools to, to go out to talk to uh, the, the HBCUs and stuff like that, the Trojo Black Universities and, yeah. and um, the autonomy. So um, the trust, they did, they trust me to, to, to make the right decision. And I know that without me succeeding, um, the company can't really grow. So um, I think with Raul uh, uh, Sharma and Yogesh, um, they give me that tool and, and, and Abhishek, they give me the tools that I need. So, yeah. 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 I wish there were more, um, you know, universities, uh, historically black universities here in California. I know there's only one in Southern Cal. Um, sure. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, thank you so much, Chris. Uh, I want to ask the audience if they have any questions for Chris. Um, uh, Suva has a comment for you, uh, Chris. Your honesty and smile are both very contagious. Thank you for your gracious presence um, with us today. Uh, Rachel or Rahul actually has a comment. Chris, thanks for being on this webinar and sharing your thoughts. You are the best. Um, Akanksha says, good to see you, Chris. Uh, Rachel has a question. What advice would you give to someone who's not working in an inclusive environment about fighting imposter syndrome? It's a very good question. Um, what I did, uh, my advice would be just kind of like reevaluate what you want out of the company because it's always like a two-sided thing. Like some people are saying uh, to themselves when they join a company, um, some companies are like, you should be happy to be here. And other people are like, you should be happy to have me. 
So um, you got to really understand where you fit in, in that picture and understand if this company sees you as a valuable piece to what they want to do the next step or if you're just someone just to fill in a seat temporarily. Um, so once you kind of make that evaluation, then I think yeah. determine what to do next. Um, like I'm a type, you know, and money, money is not everything. Obviously, um, I do have a six-year-old son that I have to take care of. And uh, I would love, you know, obviously you have to be able to take care of that first. But um, money is not everything. You have to look at the bigger pieces of what else is there for the organization. Um, because I think in the long run, uh, your mental and everything else, your physical and not being able to work out and you're overwhelmed with stuff. And um, one of the things with imposter syndrome, what I did was a lot of times to get that validation, I would just work a lot. Yeah. So I, I guess I have that Superman mentality. Let me work a lot. And then maybe think people think that I'm, you know. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, they, I understand yeah. that. Yeah. So let me work a lot. Let me do this. And then people think that I'm like, like, okay, now in your opinions, valuable now because you work a lot, but it, it didn't change anything. They just say, well, Chris, this works hard. So, but, yeah. yeah. Well, we have a lot of questions and hope to cover them all. Uh, Hanita wants to ask you, um, and she says, thank you for sharing your background and journey with us. What motivates you? Uh, you know, my son uh, definitely motivates me. Uh, yeah. Uh, I think the other thing too is uh, throughout my life, uh, I've had a, probably about like 22 of my closest friends, like, no, like either were killed or no longer with us. So you see something like that throughout your life. Um, you kind of just take every day as like, I'm happy to be here thing. Um, so I think that's the other reason why I'm like Mr. Happy-Go-Lucky. I'm always like trying to, you know, be like Mr. Funny Guy just because um, I think just being alive is being like a lot of motivation. Um, and just, you know, wanting to uh, just be here for my son. Yeah. Uh, I think that's the biggest motivation uh, to be here for my son and just, uh, you know, obviously be supportive for him and just uh, be able to teach him things that teach him the things that they shouldn't do, um, obviously. But, uh, you know, I learned, I did a lot of so many things in my life and just, just tell him what things not to do and yeah. not make the same mistakes that I did. And we all say that, that we're going to do that. And we always never listen to our parents, but uh, I see it now just being a parent. So, yeah. 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 Those babies give you purpose in yeah, life. They for do. Sure. Yeah. They do. Yeah. Akanksha says, thank you for being so transparent. Can you speak more on how to overcome the thoughts which pull you down if you suffer from imposter syndrome? Oh, by the way, I like to thank Akashna too. She's on our team in India. She's, uh, I work closer with her. So thank you, Akashna. I forgot to give you a shout out there. Um, to overcome that, um, a lot of things what I do is, um, I, I've been doing Bikram yoga since like mm -hmm. 2010. Yeah. yeah. So um, that does kind of clear my head a lot of times for work. So I do a lot of activity when it gets that bad. Um, but I also talk, I have a really good friend, my best friend in the world, Carlos Jorge. Um, he's the one person that I lean on for a lot. Um, so he's always giving me, and you got to lean on someone that you really trust. Yeah. Um, that if you really don't trust your opinion, you always lean on that person that, Help you make that decision um because yeah. they know the best interests um me and i've been friends since high school so um yeah 
So. That's that's great. Um, you have some love coming at you from Abhishek. He says you're an amazing person, Chris, and I haven't seen anyone who is such a team player. I appreciate you looking out for everyone around you and look forward to working with you for a long time. Keep rocking. I think he also wants to retire yeah. with you at, at Bay One. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate it too. Yeah, we, we work together. We work well together, and uh, we had a call. We had a talk the other day, and. Um, about being like a good team member or teammate like it's kind of crazy how me and him think the same because a lot of people really don't think you know people say yeah you gotta be a good team member but we had a discussion and a lot of you know it, it's crazy how some people are just not really on the same page as that you know and um we were talking about an instance from a previous employer that i worked for where um some you know a lot of companies really don't care um, but here at Bay One, everyone really do care about, you know, the success of everyone. So um, I'm pretty happy. So let's just yeah. say that. Yeah. It feels like a, a nice big family, right? Yeah, yeah it is. It is. Yeah. Yogesh says, great to hear from you, Chris. Um, Anud says, you are an awesome dad. Um, Sujata Sharma wants to thank Bay One for this. Uh, Carlos, your brother, he's saying you're my man, brother. This is a great presentation. Um, Rahul has a quick question. Do you sure. think job descriptions are written to include diverse candidates or exclude them? You know, so a lot of times uh, that's, that, that can be very tricky because in yeah. um, some of these job descriptions, it all depends. Uh, you know, if you're asking for like 10 years of something and then uh, uh, a preference of like 10 years of this and then uh, this certificate or this degree and that degree and this degree, yeah, there's only like 13% of like, um, I don't know percent, I think like 13% of the world population or US population has like master's degree. So, and I think a small percentage of that are like African-American and small is like minority uh, Hispanic. Asian, there's like a really small, it's, it's not that much. And you think it's a lot, but you're narrowing down the, the talent pool. And especially depending on where, where you're at asking for these candidates, you always gotta look to see what you're asking. So yeah. if you ask for this candidate in like Scottsdale, Arizona, um, you're not gonna get that many uh, African-American candidates. If you're looking for that, you know, African-American person or um, a uh, Hispanic, or an Asian, you, you can, but it, the the talent pool is not going to be significant if you're if you're somewhere like uh, California, for example, or if you're in Irvine, California, or looking for a different, you know, Miami, for example, um, where it's multicultural, you know. Yeah. Um, you got to be able to kind of take a step out, and it's not hard to relocate someone. Um, so if companies really invested in diversity, they'll just relocate someone from a multicultural city and, you know, post a job there and, and do things of that sort, you know, um, just yeah. kind of show that they're looking for different talent. Yeah. And I think like, you know, life experiences and like, you know, school of hard knocks, those things are not there in job descriptions, but they're so important. And right. like you said, you know, I'm happy to be alive those experiences you know count for something and when the job descriptions want everything under the sun it just really weeds out people that can really do the job and have those non-traditional or you know the life experiences right. um yeah uh raju says chris you're amazing 
and appreciate all you do for Bay One. Thank you, Roger. I think he means to say you look great or do, oh, for, or do for Bay One look great. Okay. <laughs> thank you. Thank yeah. you. Your friend Wesley says, Chris has been a great business partner. I had the pleasure of meeting Chris through a previous business opportunity, and he was a world-class gentleman with a strong business savvy. Oh, yeah. Hey, Wes. A lot of love. <laughs> Wes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Wes is a good guy. Like, Wes, uh, me and Wes have some great conversations, too, because he's a, uh, Wes, he's a uh, minority as well, um, and he's well up in the in the corporate world, so. Um, I've learned a lot from him as well, too. So uh, we both have these conversations. So thanks, Wes. <laughs> Thank you, Chris, for coming on and being so vulnerable and talking about Thank yourself you. in such an open way. Um, Thank you. Speaking as power. Thank you for sharing your experiences and you know, most importantly, educating us. So thank you, thank you, thank you, and keep thank smiling. You. Keep flashing yep. that smile of yours. Yeah, thank you. appreciate else. it. Yeah, yeah, thank you. <laughs> thank you, Niha. Thank you, everyone, for attending. Thank you, thank you all for coming. Um, I have to quote my favorite author because I love her. Um, there are more scary things inside than outside. So sometimes, just facing the fears and insecurities are our biggest challenge. Um, I always say to myself, "You have talent. You're capable, and you belong." Um, thank you for joining. We have uh, Tech Tuesday, uh, sorry, Tech Talk Tuesday coming up with Sunil Fadik. Uh, he is a recruiting maestro. Hope you can tune in for that. Have a great rest of the week. Thank you, everyone. Stay safe. Bye, yeah. Thank you for listening. To view our webinars and snippets, visit our YouTube channel, Bay One, The Future Works Here. You can also visit our website www.bay1.com or follow us on LinkedIn and Twitter. Thank you once again.